Well, welcome to the IS podcast, and today I have not Greg Sheridan, not a famous historian, but someone who is a historian. Uh, Jack, tell us your full name. So, my full name is Jack Hanrahan Shirley. So, I've got the double barreled hyphen. It's very J- nice. Jack Hanrahan Shirley. Yep. And, Jack, you are here, you're uh, a friend of mine, we've become uh, acquainted, and um, you have such an interesting story. How old are you? So I'm 24, going on 25 in a few days' time. 25, when's your birthday? So 23rd of December. You're 23rd. Now, you were not supposed to be born around Christmas time, were you? No, I was actually supposed to be born in March, actually. In March. So you are 20 weeks premature? 23 weeks premature? Yeah, 23 weeks premature. Yeah. You must have been, with with all due respect, you must have been tiny. Oh yeah, I was like 900 grams. So I could fit in my dad's forearm, just like along there. And yeah, yeah it, was, um, it was amazing. So whenever I hear like people saying, you know, oh, my baby was born when it was like pretty light. It was like one kilo or it was yeah. like 1.5. I'm like, you, you've still got a way to go. Nine, 900 grams, that's... Now, you were, I mean, you must have been in hospital for a, a long period of time. And mm. you know, your parents must have been I mean, people, forgive me saying this, people can be aborted at that, at, at that oh, age. Yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I was actually born sort of when I was, because if I was in the same situation today, honestly, I'm not sure, you know, where I would have ended up. Yeah, um, yeah but my, um, I was in the hospital for about 100 days and I was on a, um, a breathing machine even when I came home because mm. uh, my right lung had collapsed and... I had pneumonia and everything that could go wrong basically did go wrong. And my parents told me a story a while back, but they had, they'd gone uh, on holiday up the coast because they essentially needed to get out of Sydney because they were so mentally drained by sort of the constant news of, okay, is our child going to live or is our child going to die? And Mm -hmm. I think it was when they got up to where they were going to stay, they got a call saying, uh, look, he's probably going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to come back down? Mm-hmm. And, or do you want to be there? And my mum and dad essentially were like, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got news uh, later on that was saying that I was going to be okay or I was looking um, okay at that time. So yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster for everyone involved. I mean, that is amazing. Now, you obviously you're not conscious of any of this this is all you're all this is all mm, you've been told yeah. but you were left with some impact because you have now i've got to be careful with my language here so you can tell me if if, if this is an offensive language but you have a disability yeah okay yeah. and what is that then so my disability is cerebral palsy so mm-hmm. it covers sort of a wide range of um physical uh disability Mm-hmm. So you can have people with cerebral palsy that are in wheelchairs, uh, that uh, you know, essentially are wheelchair bound for their entire lives and are very impacted. Mm-hmm. And then you have you can have people that are mildly impacted. And then I'm sort of a bit in the middle where I'm. I think the diagnosis was it's mildly severe. So whilst I have, <laughs> I impact, love that mildly yeah. severe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a. 
it's, it's a degenerative disease. No, thank God, it's it's not degenerative. Right. Okay. Uh, good. Yeah. Good. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Jack, I'm. You know, I, I, let's let's just you know we like talking about these things anyway. Mm. So. I mean, just thinking about language, I mean, I, I did work in, in Scotland as a volunteer for a while in Edinburgh with something that's called the Scottish Spastics Council, uh, which is a horrendous title that wouldn't yeah. be used. And there, there were terms like spaz that would be used as a derogatory term. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan of political correctness, but neither am I a fan of using language in a derogatory way to attack people. So mm. did you find that at school or anything like that, that you were you were at... Um, mocked for your disability? Oh, I definitely was. Like, you know, it's, kids are kids and kids can be uh, pretty harsh. And you know, there's, there's no um, sense of, okay, we need to be careful. They, they'll just come out and, and ask questions. So I was, you know, asked questions, you know, from as early on as I can really remember in primary school where, you know, you just have kids coming up to you, um, either kids your own age or younger kids, and they're just being like, oh, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. And like, I won't lie, like early on, it was really uh, frustrating. Like I was a very, very angry and very bitter sort of child and um, teenager because I, I could look around at everyone else and see, you know, why don't I have what they have? I want mm -hmm. what you have. Like I want to be able to run around. Like when I was mm -hmm. a kid, I wanted to be a professional AFL player. And so when my dad tried getting me into, into golf, I was just thinking, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. golf's an old man sport. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't. I want to be running around. I want to be kicking a ball. Mm -hmm. So, there definitely was um, that either ill intention or mockery or however you want to describe it. Well, kids can um, be cruel. Mm, yeah. So th there's that, and then you feel. But I mean, within yourself, no, you. You, you were brought up in a church going home. Um, when did you become a Christian? Well, as you're right, I was, did grow up in a church growing home. Um, although what I'd actually really describe as sort of when I really made the faith my own, because it's mm -hmm. very easy sort of as a kid to just go along and be it's like, okay, everyone around me sort of thinks this. Mm -hmm. So I'll just keep going. Mm -hmm. um, but I really remember sort of I guess to use the, you know, the cliche sort of when I gave my life to Christ would be after my first operation. So I had a, a number of operations to correct my gait because mm -hmm. if I didn't, my spine was going to basically deform and I'd end up in a wheelchair. So I did surgery to prevent me ending up in a wheelchair. And I just remember lying on the hospital bed and you know, in, in pain or just like lying there and just, you know, excuse me, reflecting on the world. Mm -hmm. And like, I was very angry and very bitter just thinking, you know, why, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tried to live for a number of years, basically ignoring it and just going, okay, if I ignore this, this part of me, then I can just, you know, somehow my life will get better. And, I can just remember thinking, like, only in Christianity does God in Christ actually enter into the world, embrace our suffering, and he doesn't actually, like other gods in other religions, he doesn't just go like, okay, I'm giving you these rules and laws, so therefore you need to follow me. 
because I did, I like made the universe, so therefore you should follow me. But that he actually proves himself on the cross. And so, and yeah. How old were you then? Oh, uh, probably oh, um, maybe 12 or 13, maybe. Okay. So did you ever get a stage in your Christian life where, you know, you get to 14 or 15 and thinking, no, that didn't really happen, or I was just going along with things, or, or basically, is it from since then that you've been conscious of being a Christian? You've obviously had your ups and downs, but mm. or maybe it's been all up for you, I don't know. <laughs> T tell me. Oh, no, I think if you're going all up all the time, then... Uh, you're in heaven fairly soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, look, I think that, you know, have there's definitely, you know, been challenges, but I think one of the thoughts that really has stuck with me that's really helped me to persevere has been essentially if I was to abandon like Christianity and if I was to really abandon Christ what would I have like mm -hmm. what would be in my possession at the end of the day and fundamentally it's it's nothing and sort of going back to what I said before where like you know Christ proves himself to mm -hmm. us and he says, like, I am your Lord, you follow me because I have done this for you. And I just remember thinking, it's like, even if this is wrong, like, even if this is complete and utter, you know, garbage, which thank God it's not, um, I would rather, f is there any other God that I would rather follow? No. Yeah, so that reminds me of the man who said, um, if John chapter one isn't true, then I would worship the man who wrote it, <laughs> you know, because it's just so amazing. Um, you know, for those who, of you who are listening to this or if, if you're watching it, I want to come back because I, I, I don't want to labor this too much, Jack, because I don't think disability defines you yeah. I, and, and I don't think you perceive it that way. But let's just say, let's, let me just do two things in terms of the church. First of all, how do you think the church handles disability? Now, you can either speak about that personally yourself or just overall. What do you think? To be honest, I haven't really given it much thought. Mm -hmm. Although, in terms of the the interactions that I've had with, say, people in the church, I think that uh, really the the church does uh, the best job when it actually doesn't call attention to divisions between people. When so we're not going to have a disabled gathered. section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Of like, course. Yeah. You know. Helping people and aiding people in terms of, like, say, for example, putting a, uh, you know, putting a, a wheelchair ramp in, say, if, mm -hmm. if someone has a wheelchair in your congregation, is totally different from someone, you know, getting up and saying to people, okay, we're going to look at Jesus healing uh, the, the cripple by the pool of Bethesda in John. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, you know, talk about the, the plight of our disabled of the disabled people around us or of our disabled brothers and sisters and you know just going to make you i don't know work harder for them because you know look we have a we have a biblical text that we can just point to and say look you should be doing this or yeah. this text tells us something so there's a little bit of the um, there was a program in the uk that was called does he take sugar Mm. which was a guy in a wheelchair. And I once did this once. I, I once, as an experiment, went out in a wheelchair with someone pushing me, mm. thinking this didn't happen. But it did. Oh. 
people would come up and would talk to the person in the wheelchair. Does he take sugar? You know, and I'm going, hi, I'm here, I can talk, you know. And, just, wow. yeah. and, and so there's a little bit of that. There can be a little bit of virtue signaling, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, okay. Jack, yeah. you fill one of our quotas. You can be our token disabled yeah. person yeah. here, you know. So um, I've got to get a disabled person on the... On the because it, it, it doesn't define you. And I think the mm. other thing that really shook me, and I wonder if, if you can identify with this, when I went to work with the Scottish Spastic Council, I went down, I, honestly, I went down with this attitude, I'm gonna go and help these poor disabled people. Well, I came home like that, mm. because there was a guy called Jojo, and he was 21 years old, and you could fit him. He, he was just curled up in a ball. Mm. And I had a conversation with him through something called a bliss board, because he couldn't speak. Mm. And I was so humbled by it, because, humiliated by it, to be, to be honest, because he was sharp and smart and, mm. And I just thought, wait a minute, I, look at me. I mean, I mean, have a look. I mean, you all get the joy of seeing this wonderful body. Well, I'm sorry, I don't have that. I mean, you've got a better body than me, mate. And just, you know, I, there, there's so many problems that we all have. We all have a disability. We all have, I mean, I, I can't see properly without my glasses. Um, you know, I'm losing my hair and all that kind of stuff. And I think this idea of there are the abled people and the disabled people, mm. I don't want to get too precious about it because I understand that if you only have one leg, you're disabled. I understand if you can't see blind, you're disabled at one level. But at another level, to some extent, we're all disabled until mm. we receive our new bodies. Mm, absolutely. Would you accept that position? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a, a really good illustration of sort of what you brought out was this advertisement for a show that SBS ran a while back. I can't remember the title of the show for the life mm -hmm. of me, but I, I distinctly remember that they had a because I think it was like they had a disabled person, maybe a gay person, and maybe a black person. I can't mm -hmm. remember. But the disabled person was a guy in a wheelchair. And I remember they were the segment of the ad was, and he was there, and he was saying, like, we are surrounded by, you know, all these, um, you know, these exemplars of perfection, meaning, like, you know, mm -hmm. advertisements like, you know, bodybuilding, mm -hmm. gym, um, fitness, you know, mm -hmm. all these other things which, you know, talk about able-bodied people and are directed towards, you know, quote-unquote, able-bodied people. Mm -hmm. And he's talking almost of his, or at least it seemed to me like, you know, he's basically saying, you know, this is, a, this is oppression, like, this is terrible. Like, I'm, I'm being oppressed by, you know, the world around me that, that holds up, you know, these, um, these people in these advertisements as, you know, what, as perfection or as what you, mm -hmm. or as this standard. And... I think like it's not bad to have a standard, mm -hmm. but when something becomes an idol, like whatever it is, whether it's you know a perfect you know body like we have in our society, or wh or whether it's the opposite, like what it's sort of becoming. Yeah, well, we're, we're, none of us. Well, first of all, I mean, hopefully, all of us realise we don't have a perfect body. I mean, there's the other aspect of that is the teaching that sometimes comes in that says, well, if only I had enough faith. Mm then your cerebral palsy could be dealt with. I mean, did, yeah. you ever, did you ever pray that it would be taken away or? Um, I think as a, as a young kid, you sort of, you always want that. You want it, you mm -hmm. want it gone. You want every, or you want other things. That you want to be able to run yeah. and do, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I was never, thank God, I was, I was really never exposed to any of that sort of false teaching that is like, if you, you know, if you pray hard enough to God, God will just, you know, answer your prayer and he will make everything well again. Mm -hmm. um, and so really for me, it was, 
a struggle and in some ways it, it's sort of an ongoing ongoing struggle until I, I die yeah. of um, you know of accepting that okay this is this is the limitations of the of the flesh that I've been given by God but at the same time I can look back on my life and I can see the myriad ways in which God has been using me you know as I am for his glory really because you do have limitations physically mm. but so do all of us yeah you know I mean I'd like to be able to go out in this heat and you know run 10 kilometers yeah. and swim five I can't yeah. You know, and also, but, but well, let, let's let's change tack a little bit because the thing that I mean, there's lots of things that fascinate me about you. I mean, it's just uh, you're oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm fascinated. You're a fascinating person. Yeah, there's lots of things wrong with him as well, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, history. You mm. like history. Now, why? Yes. When did you get into history? Uh, when I was when I was very young, I remember. Now, now being an old guy. Yes, yeah, okay. yes, being very right. old. I've got the I've got the beard coming in a little yeah. bit too. Good. Um, you could be truly reformed then. Sorry, yes, carry yes. on. <laughs> but uh, when I was, uh, I remember like when I was a young kid, like five or six, yeah. where because I couldn't really be running around and doing things like um, normal or like able-bodied kids my age, I would like spend hours just lying on the floor of my room, just playing with like toys or mm -hmm. Lego or, or just reading. And I remember just really loving the... Um, almost like picturing the worlds of like ancient Greece, Rome and Egypt and all that stuff. I just found that. Like, so it wasn't the Second World War, it was the ancient Greeks. It was, yeah. 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 And you, I, I know you've got a particular interest in Byzantium. Now you've, yeah. you recommended a book to me. What was the book again? I think it was uh, a, sh a short history of Byzantium by yeah. John Julius Norwich. That, it, what, that, that was yeah. it. It's on order. I haven't read it yet, but I will read it. I promise you. Um, why, why Byzantium? What, what got you into that? Well, I have to confess here that I'm a massive church history nut. Yeah, okay. So, like, you go to, you know, universities around here, like, you know, Macquarie University or, or Sydney Uni, the vast majority of people I've found that will be in, like, the sort of history departments and, like, the ancient history sort of section will just love, like, you know, classical Greece. They'll love classical Rome. They'll love ancient Egypt the Near East and essentially if you're into anything past let's say the second century mm -hmm. AD then you're essentially like some sort of weirdo almost um, because it almost goes like what you like talking about like Christianity and, and religion and the Middle Ages yeah so yeah so I mean I, I did Reformation history mm. or one of my um, modules for my history degree at Edinburgh was the African Christianity from the beginnings to Augustine of mm. Hippo. Just oh, brilliant. That, that sounds so much Well, fun. and it was by the foremost scholar in that area. Mm. I did Cromwellian Scotland, you know, oh, which was just, you know, cool. that was just, you know, yeah. a, I mean, it's funny because mm. there's this modern bias, isn't there, that, that, mm. that yeah, we, we can't. But, by, but Byzantium, that, that's a fascinating thing. Now, where, where are you at in terms of your historical studies? Have you, you finished your university degree? So I finished my master's and I'm yeah. currently sort of in the works for PhD progression. So okay. What would you like to yeah. do a PhD in? Scottish studies, obviously. I, I wish I could, I wish no. I could. But um, so what I did my, what I did my master's in was basically looking at heresies and like orthodox responses to 
or like arguments against the heretics. And that's basically what I want to continue my PhD in because there's a bit of, like you've said before, with the uh, academic bias, mm -hmm. there's a number of sort of fields that just get uh, left because they're not cool. Mm -hmm. They're not like, you know, it's not like you're studying like the Gnostics in the second or third centuries and can be someone who's like, yes, mm -hmm. I'm getting back to what Jesus actually taught. Even though in one of the Gnostic Gospels, it's like you need to, like a woman needs to become a man in order to inherit eternal life. So mm -hmm. it's very, very interesting Gnostic theology. And, um, Although, though, yeah. They were transgender ahead of you. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> very much. Before, so, ahead of the time, there oh, you go. Oh, yes, very much. It's, I mean, yeah, um, actually, we will not go down that particular rabbit hole, but, <laughs> but Gnosticism and transgender or queer theory are very, very close. In fact, oh. I, I would regard transgenderism as a modern form of Gnosticism. Mm, yeah. But anyway, th for those of you who wonder what Gnosticism is, it is the teaching of, ah, as my screen's still up there, sorry, yes it is, so that's okay. I, I, I'm struggling to see in terms of all this wonderful sunlight. Let me just check something for me. Yeah, it is, that's fine. Sorry, if you're watching this, forgive my finger, but... So Gnosticism, and if you're listening to it, don't worry. Um, Gnosticism is this idea of secret knowledge. Mm. And really, it's also, incidentally, you know, this ties up because it comes back in terms of the body. It's the rejection mm. of the body. Yeah. So if you're an absolute Gnostic, you could say, my body doesn't matter. Mm, yeah. You know, and the, whereas as a Christian, you say, my body does matter. Mm. Uh, it doesn't absolutely define me, mm. but it is part of who I am. Yeah. So you're interested in the Gnostics, um, the heresies and so on. I'm just reading Gregory of Nyssa, and it's amazing. You know, I think you're right. I think, I think we have this chronological snobbery. Mm, yeah. you, even, even sometimes in history departments. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's a view that the modern absolutely. is better. And, absolutely, yeah. But you would be quite happy to go back to Constantinople. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would, the... I would definitely be happy. I'd be, it's like, you know, when someone asks you, like, you know, what era of history would you like, like to be living in? Yeah. Be like, look, if I could, if I could like, survive and, and live on, yeah, definitely go back to the Middle Ages. I'd love to see that. Okay, you opened up another can of worms, and I'm, I'm looking at my watch because I'm conscious of time. Um, and let's, let me just say with this one in terms of heresy, you know, we have to deal with heresy. Again, heresy mm. is not a word that many people uh, like, although we do have our modern mm. heresies as well. There are okay. one or two opinions that you and I may have which would be considered heretical <laughs> in, in where we are just now in Newtown in Sydney. Oh, we, have oh, to, yes. we have to whisper them. Um, but Sydney Anglicanism, you're a Sydney Anglican. Is yeah. that not the last bastion of the pure gospel? Oh, well, if it is, God help us. Like. Well, he'll, he will, I hope. But, so you are a Sydney Anglican, but yes. you have your frustrations as well. Now, oh, without oh, yeah. going into any personal details, what, what, what's the strengths you see and what are some of the weaknesses? Um, I think the strengths are what we've inherited. So you've had uh, many generations of people here in Sydney, of Anglicans here in Sydney, and of other, like, just of Christians here in Sydney mm -hmm. that have really uh, seen the importance of um, preaching the gospel and of, of building churches and of doing the, the necessary work that needs to be done. Like, there's a great uh, book that was written a while back. I can't remember the title for the life of me now, but I bought it, and it's on my shelf. And, it taught, and it's a, literally a study of the Sydney Anglican Church from, I think, the 1970s. All right. Yeah. I must read that. I've not read that one. Uh, what, what, what would you see as some of the dangers or the weaknesses? You know, because you're, you're concerned for your own church as well. Mm. And I think 
like we could go on for hours about this, but um, uh, you've got the, two minutes <laughs> to give the to give the short condensed version. Um, I think definitely there is a weakness in both the laity and the the ministers as well. I think that many of the ministers that are in the church today, and this isn't just the Sydney Anglican Church, mm -hmm. but it's, I think it's across denominations. They're very content in sort of where we've gotten to. And I think that that's almost a form of basically pietism, mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, where to deal with the, where to deal with the church and the church things and the spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, the world just does what the world does and we just ignore it. Mm -hmm. And I think as well that that's, you know, bled into the laity as well, where you have people that just see this, the spiritual and the, the physical world as basically, you know, the spiritual trumps the physical. Mm -hmm. And there's great work that's been done by um, Joe Boot talking about this, and I find mm -hmm. his, his work on it very helpful. Um, and I think also as well, another issue would be that you have just a drip, drip of liberalism, really. To, to kind, of, kind of sum it up, because mm -hmm. you have in the modern day in, in many churches, people that essentially want to make the Bible fit with our cultural or personal um, ideas mm -hmm. or, or presuppositions. Like, I remember doing a uh, class on uh, the Gospel of Mark uh, a while back and I remember mm -hmm. where there was this one lady in the class who you know we were going on or we were talking and then it almost seemed as if when it came to Jesus with the women that Jesus was turned into some sort of feminist icon. You and mean he's not? <laughs> oh I'm traumatized no sorry uh, <laughs> yeah I know yeah. I know I know I know exactly what you mean so mm. basically yeah, it, it's a weakness basically Interpreting the scripture, the way I would put it is we interpret the scripture through the culture mm. rather than interpreting the culture through the scripture. Mm. Yeah. And, and, it, you, is that, and that's a weakness you see oh, just absolutely. coming in bit by bit. Yeah, absolutely. And really there are, are churches that have been taken over. Taken by over by that, yeah. yeah. And, and yet would still use the evangelical language and would still hold to some of the shibboleths, but oh, yeah. underneath what, what we might call a biblical worldview or a robust evangelicalism. And that doesn't mean legalism. Mm. It's just eating away. And Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, you'll hear people say, like, you know, oh, yes, we believe the Bible is the word of God. But then, you know, you take them to one or other places in Scripture and they go, oh, no, this is just cultural. We, yeah. we can just toss this out. And yeah. my continual uh, sort of reply to when people say that is, okay, you're saying this is cultural. How do, how do you then put the genie back in the bottle? Like, how do you then say, well, okay, we don't need to follow the moral law because that was cultural. Yeah, so you will get that. I mean, I mean we, we can look at things that are cultural expressions, such as greet one another mm. with a holy kiss. Right. I, I didn't greet you with a kiss, I apologize. <laughs> you know, um, again, in Newtown, that would go down fairly well, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so, oh, sorry yeah. about that, but you know what I'm saying, that, that, mm. that what, what's the, I don't know, the, the English would be a hearty handshake or, <laughs> you know, the Scots, a Glasgow mm. kiss. No, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Mm. Jack, listen, our time's gone. Fascinating talking to you. Interesting 
that we have talked about a lot about the body and knowledge and gnosis and stuff and it's interesting as well in terms of heresy I would suggest this that your historical studies are important because in knowing the past we know how to deal with the heresies of the future because they're basically the same aren't they? 100%. Yeah they're basically the same and we can see how the ancients dealt with them and yeah. then um, we have to deal with ourselves. Yeah. It's my privilege to have you on here. We will have you on again when you finish your PhD or when you're doing your PhD. We may even have you on when we talk about Byzantium for our Orthodox listeners because that is really, really fascinating, actually. Well, I look forward to it. Thank you. And for those of you who uh, listen to this podcast, we'll keep it going over Christmas. We've got more with Greg Sheridan. But I hope you have a, a great Christmas and uh, maybe see you in the new year. Bye. Bye.